We're doing a baptism today, and it's an exciting time, and we love that, and it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to, to see people that are taking that step with, uh, with Christ in their faith, their walk of faith. And, and yet, I, I struggle a lot of times, and I, I just find myself always kind of drawn into what do people think? How many of you know that whatever, when it comes to church, religion, denominations, spirituality, whatever it is, whatever you kind of grew up with, whatever you were accustomed to, that's the right way, right? I mean, usually that's at least how we view it. And then when you're maybe in a place that you've never been that, that expresses their faith a little bit differently, we're like, what? You know, kind of a thing. It's like, wait, I never saw that before, and that can't be right. And, and, and there are times, I, honestly, as a pastor, I'm like, now, wait a minute. Who came up with that? Who said that that was the best way to do church? I don't know that we, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm, you know, just sometimes I don't know. And so uh, uh, we've got some, isn't that, this is the high point of the message already right here. This is (laughs) starting with I don't know. I mean, if you're guest here today, you're like, man, I think, you know, let's let's go kind of a thing. If this guy don't know, then why are we here? No, I'm being honest because my passion is really to help people understand and know God. And, and I think that quite often, in fact, Jesus himself said <clears throat> that, that your traditions have made the power of God of none effect or made the word of God powerless. The mighty word of God, the power of God, the strength of God is rendered ineffective and powerless because of the traditions of men. And I think that sometimes it is those traditions that limit our thinking, that limit our ability to expand or open up our heart to receive all that God has for us individually and even more so collectively as the body of Christ. Because I think that, in fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus is going to return one day, but he's coming for a church that is glorious, a church that's full of power, a church that's full of life, a church that makes a difference, a church that is influential in wherever it is planted. As I say often around here, I am a branch manager. My job is a branch manager. I'm a local manager of a worldwide organization whose goal is global domination. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and everyone who believeth and is baptized will be saved. And we get to celebrate that this morning. And so I've wanted to try to inspire in this, in this series that we're doing that we're calling uh, uh, More, that there is more. And no matter where you are in your walk with Christ, whether you're at the very beginning, whether you've been after it for 40 years, there is still more. And our tendency is to sort of sit back and, and, and think, well, you know, we, we've conquered this, we've gotten there, but I want you to know this morning that there is more because he is more. And so we've been using the scripture in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, and, and this is the living Bible. It says, now glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us. And you've got to understand this, that God's work is started on the inside of you. And that's where the life is. That's where the power is. That's where the strength is. That's where the joy is. That's where the more than conqueror is. It's not out there. It's not in our flesh or in our feelings, but it's on the inside of us. And God has put within you his life, his power, and his strength. We talked about that over the last couple of weeks. But notice it says that his mighty power at work in us is able to do, is able to do far more than we would ever dare ask or even dream of infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. 
And that's the promise that, that we are trying to embrace, that God is able to do more than we can think, more than we can ask, more than we can hope for, more than we can dream of. And my hope has been, my, my, my goal has been to try to inspire you to think more, to dream more, to expect more, to believe God for more because, again, he is more. And that's wonderful and that's powerful. It's a tremendous promise for our Christian life and our daily walk. But more importantly, to me at least, is what Paul talked about right before that when he said in verse 17, I pray, I pray, and this is how I've I've prayed this for years and I pray this for you. I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts. More and more at home in your heart. If you've ever been a guest somewhere and somebody says to you, hey, you know, my house is your house, me casa, you casa, yeah, I mean, this is, you, you, and how many of you know it, it, you hear that and you want to, but it's like, I'm not going to go check out the fridge. I'm not going to go through the bathroom cabinet thing. Because you know that me casa, not you casa. Right? You're not at home yet. But if you've been there for a while, you probably wouldn't go through the cupboards and stuff. But, but, but if you've been there for a while, you get more and more acclimated and you get more and more comfortable. And I think that's what Paul's trying to get over, that you would get more and more comfortable with this idea and thought that God's in you and he's with you. God, like we said last week, is not a God that wants to just be studied from a, a theological or academic standpoint. He is a relational God that wants to be experienced and known. And so he says again, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts, living within you as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. How marvelous, how wonderful is your love. Man, I want you to know that. I want you to drink it in and experience it. But the point is, you can't ever drink all of it in because it's too big. Because there's more. He goes on and he says in verse 18, and maybe may you be able to feel and understand. That's the relational part. That's the relational. He wants you to feel because how many of you know, as one person said, it's better felt than telt. That once you taste and see, you know how good it is. I could tell you all day long about how good my mom's red velvet cake was with the buttercream frosting for my birthday. It was the best ever. I thought I would make it through a whole sermon without talking about food. Here I am, I'm not even into the warming up part yet, and I'm talking about food. But once you have a piece of that, on a nice warm July day where that frosting got real soft and some ice cream with it, happy birthday to me. <laughs> See, now, that description, because some of you have had red velvet cake and ice cream, that's really, really good. And some of you had started to create something, and you didn't, it called Saliva. My mouth started to cry just a little bit (laughs) because I will never taste that taste again. (laughs) I've tried and tried and tried. I can't do it. Ran out of red food coloring one time, so I used yellow. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, I had a little bit of red. It turned green. So anyway, there we go. (laughs) May you be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, as everybody should. Do you know this morning that it doesn't matter how much you think you don't qualify? You did not create you, so you can't disqualify you. Amen? Amen? (laughs) 
God is the one who put this thing into motion. God's bigger than you are. So quit trying to disqualify yourself. Every child of God should know and experience this love of God. How long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is. And to experience. Not just hear about it, not just nod our head, not just wish that, you know, in the sweet by and by. We don't see Jesus. We'll see it. No, he wants you to experience it now. Experience this love for yourselves, though it is so great that you will never see the end of it or fully know or understand it. And so at last you will be filled up with God himself. Now, that's a wonderful promise of God, and we like the promises of God, don't we? Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. That's a really, really corny song. <laughs> but it's true. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's true. All right. We, we like the promises of God, right? We like the, I don't know, I like promises, but I don't always like the process. I like to be in shape. And as I say, round is a shape, but that's not the shape I'm going for. I like to be in shape. I like to be about 20 pounds lighter than I am right now, but I also like barbecue. And I also like red velvet cake. And I also like cookies. And I also like, I, I like to be in shape. I like, I like the promise of that. I like that. But I, I, I want the biceps. I like the biceps. But I don't want to get rid of the burritos. <laughs> Amen? I want the promise, but I don't want the process. I don't want the pain. I don't want what's involved in it. And we like the promises of God. We love the promises of God. We want the promises of God. But I, I hope you understand this this morning, and I hope you come to realize that the process comes first, and then the promise comes after. That with every promise, there is a process. And these things don't just happen because we wish they would. But often they happen only after we have engaged in the process that God wants us to go for, to, to, God wants us to go through. And, and, and what I have to learn to do is I need to align myself, align my life, align my walk with God's life, with God's walk, with God's ways. That's the process. And when I align myself with God's life and God's ways and engage in the process, I come through the process and get to the promise. And this is where we lose a lot of followers of Christ. This is where we lose a lot of people because we think, or, or at least people think, that, that, you know, once I make Jesus the Lord of my life, all my problems are going to be over. Listen to this scripture in, in, in James chapter 4 in verse 8. It says this, come close to God. And God will come close to you. Now, that's, a, that's a, both a promise and a process. This verse is, to, if we want God close to us, and I hope you do, because I know some of you and you live weird lives, and you need God close to you. <laughs> if you can't say amen, say oh me. And that's truer sometimes than we really care to admit. But if... <laughs> If we really want, I mean, think about it, man, we've got the power of the universe on our side. God's for us. He's not against us. And if God's for me, there is nobody who can be against me. And just that knowledge that I'm a child of God, I'm a chip off the old block, that he's, he is who he is. He is El Shaddai. He is the God who's more than enough, and, and he loves me, and he's my father. And, and that makes me to walk differently and talk differently and act differently. I'm not under the, you know, I'm not under the circumstances. I'm not down in the dumps, praise God. I, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. 
And that changes everything. It makes a difference in our lives. So he says, come close to God and he'll come close to you. That's both a promise and it is a process. As I move closer to God, God moves closer to me. I move closer to God and God moves closer to me. I move closer to God and God moves closer to me. It is both a promise and it is a process. But if we don't embrace the process, we won't get to the promise. And so understand this this morning, that the promise lives on the other side of the process. The promise lives on the other side of the process. And so don't get, that's why it says in, in, in the book of Galatians, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing because that's the process. But on the other side of the process, there is a promise. So again, if you move close to God, God will move close to you. And then James adds this, wash your hands, it's kind of harsh, wash your hands, you sinners. I don't know if you've ever heard that preached in churches I, I was around when I was a kid. Woo! And they would tell, they would find every stain, everything that you've ever done, and they would hammer that and hammer that and hammer that until pretty soon. I heard of one guy one time. He, oh, never mind. <laughs> Wash your hands, you sinners. Oh. Idle hands are devil's workshop. All these days, like, holy jeez. I mean, everybody's like, cut my hands off. I mean, this is bad stuff. I can't, I can't stop. I can't help myself. <laughs> wash your hands, you sinners. Here's how you wash your, to me, when he says wash your hands, hands is your strength. It's your power. It's, 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 it's the outworking. And so he said, if you draw close to God, God will cl get close to you. And, and, and you need to change the output, the work of your Christianity of your spiritual life. And the way that you do that is to purify, as he goes on, purify your hearts. Purify. There are contaminants that come into our heart, contaminants that come into our life, things like pride or greed or, or, or envy, uh, lust, all of those different things, they come into, they contaminate our life. We hear things from other people and, or somebody maybe says unkind things about us or, or maybe somebody in a position of authority says something about us that causes us to feel like, man, we could never do anything at all. And those are contaminants. And so James says if you get close to God and God gets close to you, there's a purifying that can and should happen that you need to, that's the process. And if you deal with the contaminants of your heart, your hands will begin to be clean. And as your hands begin to be clean, the outworking of your life will be something that God honors and is proud of. But it's a process. It's not overnight. How many of you Christians would be braver to say that God's process of, of, of cleaning me up is not overnight? Amen. Amen? Like some of you, it's taken you like three or four weeks to get as perfect as you are. <laughs> and some of you just quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. He goes on. I had to finish this. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Is there anyone but me that's ever had problems with divided loyalty? Anyone? It's like, God, I know what you want, but I don't want. <laughs> I know what you want me to do, but I don't want to do what you want me to do. Anyone besides me? I mean, I, I, I've, told, I've told people at times, I pray this prayer sometimes. It's like, honestly, it's, it's, it's as honest as I can be. Lord, I don't really want to, but I want to want to. 
Lord, help me want to more than I, than I don't want to. I, I want to. I know it's better. I know that I should. I really, really, really want to, but I kind of don't want to. And so, Lord, help me to want to. Amen? I, I know, I know, God, that you want me to forgive them and let them go, to release them. But you know what? I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. And we have divided loyalties. You know, Lord, I, Lord, I just, I, I know I shouldn't talk about them like that, but, man, this is just so juicy. I can't wait to tell somebody. <laughs> Lord, I know I should be more generous, but, Lord, do you know that they've just brought out a new iPhone? I got to get the new iPhone, man. I, I, so, God, you're going to have to wait just a little bit. You know, we, we want these things. We want the promise, but we don't want the process. Now, I spent three weeks, I think I spent three weeks trying to encourage you to believe God and to expect God and to, you know, dream bigger than you've dreamed. And, 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 and this is kind of the practical side of that. In fact, let me, just, let me just sort of help you with something. This is Christianity 101. If you don't take anything away from this morning, listen to this next thing. Your life will be better if you do things God's way. Life is better if you do it God's way. I'm telling you right now, life is better if you do things God's way. And the thing that keeps us from having our loyalty to the kingdom of God, the plan of God, the thoughts of God, the word of God is because we think either we don't qualify, we disqualify ourselves before we ever start, we're ignorant, we don't know of God's ways, or we just think we know best. God, I know you said but. I know what you mean, but. I know what you want, but. Your life will be better if you do things God's way. Now, don't confuse that with easier. I didn't say your life would be easier. I said your life would be better. As I've said many times, Christianity will com complicate your life sometimes. Christianity will make your life more difficult sometimes because you have to choose something. You can't just do what you want to do. You can't just, just do what you think is right. You can't just do what you feel like doing, say what you feel like saying. And so Christianity complicates your life, but it will make your life better. God's smarter than you are, and he knows you better than you know yourself. The life that's on the inside of you, you know, Jesus said this in John 16. He, he, he said, in this world, you will suffer. In this world, you will have tribulation. That means that in this life and in this world, this life is not going to always go your way. This life is not always going to be kind to you. And this life is going to throw you some curveballs. There's going to be some bumps in the road. There's going to be some difficult and hard places. And so Jesus is alerting his people, his followers to that. And he says that in this world, you will have tribulation. But rejoice. Don't be afraid. Have good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And I think what he's saying is that there is something on the inside of you. My life on the inside of you is bigger than this life. It is bigger than the problems, bigger than the troubles, bigger than the trials, bigger than the heartaches of this life. And that's the life that's on the inside of us. Is there anybody who could say, you know what? I, I can give testimony. I can give witness this morning that, that, that God's way is better than my way. Anyone at all say amen to that? We, we've discovered that and we've found that in our lives. So... Here's why all of that is important this morning, and I, and I want to finish with this thought. Because sometimes the way to more is less. 
The way to more is less. Probably a familiar scripture to many of you, John the Baptist's ministry was growing in popularity. I'm sorry, John the Baptist's ministry was, was, was a powerful ministry, but Jesus' ministry started to surpass John's ministry, and they came to John, and they said, hey, you know, this guy Jesus, man, he's, he's getting more followers than you are. And John said this in John 3.30. He said, he must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. If, if Christianity 101 is things go better in your life when, when, when you do things God's way, this is, this is Christianity 201. He must increase, I must decrease. The way to more is less. If I want more of God, there's got to be less of me. If I want God's, more of God's peace and control in my life, that means there needs to be less of me trying to navigate everything. That's really, really, really popular with a lot of people. But, but, but <laughs> this is the difference between doing things my way and doing things God's way. More of him, less of me. The way to more is less. If I want more of his grace, life, love, and power in my life, there's got to be less of me in my life. There always has to be an ever-increasing Jesus and an ever-decreasing you and me. Now, there's a, the, Jesus left us an example of how to do this and what he means, and I want to try to finish with this this morning. And it's kind of funny to me because this is in, in John 12. A lot of stuff's going on there. And, and, and one part of it, there's this feast. A lot of people are there. And Jesus is there with his disciples. And there's, there's just, I mean, just a mixture of people that are there. And they're, they're you know, having a feast. They're having a celebration. And, 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 you know, I think people were kind of wondering about Jesus and, and, and what was going on. And there were some Greeks that were there, some non-Jews. And they wanted to talk to Jesus. And so they got a hold of Philip and Andrew. And somehow, in, in, through the course of communication, they got a hold of, of them. They went to Jesus. Philip and Andrew went to Jesus. And they said, hey, Jesus, there's some Greeks that would like to talk to you. And, and you know, we, we're not given a lot of the backstory, but it's just crazy to me. And it's like, Jesus, why do you do these things? just so weird because I mean think just just picture this in your mind some people come up to Philip and Andrew you know a couple of disciples of Jesus hey we would like some time could we just talk to to, G, to talk to Jesus for a little bit and so they come to Jesus hey Jesus these Greeks want to talk to you and in verse 24 this is what Jesus said after saying hearing that these people want to talk to you he said let me make this clear a single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest of wheat all because one grain died. To which Philip and Andrew said, wait, what? Wheat? What? I, I, how do you answer? What do you say? These guys want to talk to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and bears, you know, it's like... I think they went like. <laughs> they go back to the Greeks. They're like, no, <laughs> he doesn't want to talk to you. I don't know. I just, I don't understand. Jesus, you're so awesome. I just, <laughs> does that not make you laugh? It's just like, what the heck? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, sometimes our tradition just gets in the way of great stuff in the Bible. It does. It just really does. <laughs> well, actually, in the Aramaic, it's translated this. If it dies, it will bring forth a great rebirth. If it dies, it will bring forth a great 
rebirth. And really, Jesus was talking, this is right before his, his crucifixion. He's really talking about himself. I'm that grain of wheat, and, and I'm going to have to die, and I'm going to have to be buried in the ground, in the dirt, because uh, if I don't die, I'm just going to remain alone. Uh, the, the, the potential, the promise that's in the seed will never be released unless it's dropped into the ground and dies. But that's what I'm going to do, Jesus was saying. I'm going to die, and I'm going to be dropped into the ground, and, and there's going to be an abundant harvest. My death is going to bring a rebirth of life in all of humanity, and I think what Jesus was trying to get across to them is that there's going to be something produced by my death and resurrection that will affect you, and you will be seen. They'll look for me, but they'll find me in you because you will be the fruit of the harvest. Your lives are going to be changed and be different because of my death. When I die, I will give birth to great fruitfulness. And so, unless the seed dies, is really what Jesus was saying. Unless the seed dies, it can't, it won't produce. The promise of the seed, the potential of the seed cannot be realized until the seed dies, until the seed is planted. And we know the process of planting seeds. We take a seed, we plant it in the ground, we cover it up, and then we wait for the dirt to do its work. We wait for the dirt to do its work. And I don't know if this will make sense to you or not this morning, but the promise is found in the dirt. The process is death. The process is burial. The process is less of me so that more of Christ and his fruitfulness can be seen in my life. Now, in in Mark chapter 4, and this is my first close, um, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus gives us more detail about the seed sowing process. We know it is the sower who sows the word. And we know there's different kinds of soil and, and the seed is the same, but the soil determines, the soil determines, the soil of the heart determines the fruitfulness of, of what is planted there, Right? And so Jesus is telling the disciples, and he's explaining what he meant by this. And, and as he's talking, he says that the farmer takes the seed. God provides the seed. The farmer takes the seed. He plants it in the ground, and then he waits for the dirt to do the work. And, and, and it says he waits day and night, and eventually the seed grows up. But he, it says, it says but he knows not how. Farmer, does, farmer takes the seed, puts it in the ground, but he doesn't know how. That the fruit is produced and how the plant grows. He doesn't get, he doesn't know how. He doesn't know how it works. <laughs> how many of you have ever wondered about God and said, God, I just don't know how? Anybody? Once. Once. <laughs> and then you quit. <laughs> you know, every time that God issued a challenge to people all through the Old Testament, I want you to march around that city seven times. The walls are going to fall down. How? How's that going to happen? Comes to Mary. He sends an angel to Mary. Hail, highly favored among women. You know, you're going to give birth to the Son of God. She goes, how can this be? The disciples are there. There are 5,000 people without lunch and a little kid with a lunch. Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them. How? What what is this little bit against such a big... How do we do that, Jesus? How do we do that, God? How could that ever be possible, God? Can I tell you this morning that how, how, (laughs) 
The farmer doesn't know how. And then Jesus said, this is how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God starts out with a how. How is this going to happen? This is the key to spiritual growth. When you're stepping into something and you're wondering, how is this going to happen? How is this going to turn out? How is this going to affect my life? What's going to That is the beginning. That is the most intellectually and spiritually honest place that you will ever be in your life. Is when you're sitting there and you know what God wants to do because you've heard it, it maybe in a sermon, you've read it in the Bible, you've, you've heard it somewhere else, or, or there's that still small voice of the Spirit of God on the inside of you that's saying, there's more for you, but I want you to step out of where you are right now. And our first question is, how? And that is the point of spiritual growth in your life. And sometimes it takes you just sitting back and sitting down and being quiet before God and saying, God... I know what you want. And sometimes it's as honest as, I don't want that, God. But I want to want it. But right now, where I am right now, I don't really want that. But, but I want to. Others of you are like, you're struggling with, God, I know, I know you want me to take a step. We're doing a baptism in a few moments, and I know that that's a huge step for people. It's a huge step. It's a powerful step, but it's a huge, huge step. And so we need to be honest before God and say, God, I don't know how. Because virtually almost every miracle starts with how? How? I don't know. I don't know. But let the dirt have its work. Because on the other side of the process is the promise. And God wants to bring you through. Can I tell you this morning that God can't fix what you continue to fake? Apparently that was the high point. (laughs) Say it again. I'll try. (laughs) God can't fix what you fake. If you're trying to fake Christianity, you're trying to fake being a spirit, fake, 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 God will never be able to fix it in your life. It's not until you are unafraid to bring to the one who loves you so much that he chose to love you before you ever failed, before you ever messed up, before you ever whatever, he chose to love you. He said, I love you when there's nothing good to love at all. And as I said earlier, since you didn't create you, you can't disqualify you. God says, I got a plan for your life. I've got a book with every detail of your life in it. Every single day has been mapped out. And I think in God's book, there are things that he would read through and he would say, I didn't, I didn't intend for that to happen, but you chose. And I didn't want that to happen, but you got around some people that you shouldn't have been around. I didn't really want that to happen, but you know what? You opened up the door to the enemy, and when you did that, something happened. Have you ever noticed that whenever, they, whenever everything's going well in our life, we don't really think about life? But the moment things go wrong in our life, we're like, God, where are you? God, what happened to you? God, how come, you, how come you've abandoned me? How come I'm going through all this stuff? Do we ever stop to realize or to consider that maybe the good stuff that's happening in your life is because God's in your life? Maybe that raise you got at work was because of the blessing of God, not because you're so awesome. Well, I just deserve that. No, you're a child of God. And God gave you some favor that you didn't even know you deserved or had coming. God, I don't understand why. It's because you're stupid sometimes. Amen? Sorry if that's too honest this morning. We'll try to be less honest in church. Preach something that makes everybody happy and feels good. No way, exactly. We don't want that, do we? No. We want the truth of the gospel of Christ preached in our life. 
So we surrender to him and we submit to him and we say, God, I want more of you in my life. I don't know how to be a better parent. I, I'm a single mom. I'm a, I, I, I lost my job. I don't know how. I'm, a new, I'm so new at this Christian stuff. I don't know how. That's the beginning. That's the starting point. You know what? If I could tell you this, you don't need to know how. You just need to know who. And the who will take care of the how. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this great congregation of men and women this morning. If there's anybody here who's never said yes to Jesus, never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you're here today and you want to say, Pastor Brian, I want to give Jesus my heart today. I want to start a new walk with him. Would you just hold your hand up real high and say, uh, uh, yes to Jesus. I, I'm submit, submitting and surrendering my heart and life to him. Just hold your hand up real high for just a second. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Yep, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Just hold your hand up high for a second. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I've made a decision to leave my old life and embrace a new life. Jesus, I ask you today, forgive all my sin. I believe you died for me, that you rose again and are, and are alive. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We, we want to work with you on that. Amen. Give Jesus a hand. Shelly, Pastor John, if you guys come this morning. God is good. And ask our baptism crew to come. We've got some people we're going to baptize this morning real quick. As we often say, if you're here this morning, you've never followed uh, uh, the Lord in water baptism. You know, Jesus said, he that is baptized, he that believeth and is baptized, they'll be saved. And uh, if you've never done that and you would like to today, uh, we will baptize you as well. But we've got several people that, that have said they want to be baptized. And, uh, and so I'm going to ask, uh, somebody's going to read their names and get them on up there. And... Uh, while they're doing that, I just want to read this scripture. Uh, if we could have our baptism folks come on up. In Romans 6, 2, it says, if, uh, uh, he, he basically was saying, talking about sin. He says, since we've died to sin, with every death there is a rebirth. We've died to sin so that something else can be rebirthed in our life. Since we've died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and that's what this is a picture of. These people have said yes to Jesus. They've made Jesus the Lord of their lives, and, 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 and this is a picture of what has already happened. It's an illustration of a spiritual truth, and that spiritual truth is they died with Christ and they were buried with him, but when they come up out of the water, they come up out of, wa out of the water with a new life. We died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now also we may live new lives. Amen. And that's what we're celebrating this morning, new life that's found in Christ. And I have gone along and we're going to get this done. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, first up today we have Anthony Jones. Amen. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Praise God. Need a hand or you good? You're good. Right there. Just have a seat. Kind of scooch up just a little bit. Anthony, do they call you Anthony or Tony? Tony. Tony. Okay. Tony. All right, Tony. Have you, you anything that, uh, what, what brings you to this spot this morning? Uh, just to become baptized and become closer to God and be forgiven the things that I've 
have done wrong. Amen. Well, that's, that's what the new birth is, and that's what's happened. So, Anthony, on your profession of your faith this morning, it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Woo! Praise God. Is that my television? Next we have Elizabeth Dickman. Alyssa, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. Yes. Anything that you would like to say this morning that brings you to this point? I just want to be on a new journey and closer to God. Amen. Well, this is a part of the process. We're going to let the dirt have its work. Amen? Amen. (laughs) You've made Jesus the Lord of your life, and it's my pleasure to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Next, we have James Dombrowski. And uh, Jim has a good story, and Mike Redmond here has been a part of that story, part of that journey, and I thought that it would, uh, you know, life is better when you do things God's way, but life is also better when you've got people in your life that know God. And uh, Mike has been that person here, and so uh, I asked Mike to be a part of that, and uh, and you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Go ahead and step right in there somewhere if you would. And uh, so what brings you to this point this morning? Well, it's only by the grace of a loving and caring God that I can tell you that I'm a recovered alcoholic. Amen. For 25 months now. Praise God. And that only because of God, that obsession has been removed. Thank you. Amen. 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 Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. It's my pleasure to baptize you this morning. Mike, why don't you just stick your hand in here, too, somewhere. Just grab him right there. Right there. There you go. Is that watch waterproof? I hope so. I hope so. There. Well, I don't know. That uh, You can switch around to the other side, then people can. Then people. All right. All right. We've he's plugging his nose. He's going to die here in a minute if you're not careful. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh, where are we at? Baptize. All right. We baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Up next, we have Eric Paulson. Yay. Oh, and why don't you come on up here, too, and make sure you get this. Is, this, is, this is Eric's son, and uh, they're both getting baptized. You want to just jump in the tank with him? <laughs> Good, because we wouldn't let you. <laughs> and... Uh, Eric, you've made uh, Jesus the Lord of your life. Yes, I have. And uh, what brings you to this point this morning in, in your followership of Christ? Um, I think many things uh, have led me here, but I think for so many years I've been wanting to receive the promise without the process. Mm-hmm. And I think through you know family experiences in life that God has led me to this step in it. So, Amen. Amen. And uh, your, your brother is here somewhere, right? Yeah, I think so. Where is he at? Oh, I can't see over there, over there, over there. You want to come up and help? <laughs> there he comes. It's a big deal. Amen. 
Amen. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. He's trying to, don't leave him hanging. He's trying to shake your hand there. <laughs> well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, and so it's my pleasure this morning to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. If anybody else wants to be baptized, get in line. Next we have Owen Paulson, Eric's son. Amen. Hey, Owen, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes, I have. Anything that you would like to say this morning? No. <laughs> That's good. How? <laughs> Amen. Well, Owen, it's my pleasure to baptize you this morning in the name of the Father, the Son, Thank you, and Jesus. the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Next, we have Seth Rutzelainen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Oops, sorry. Thank you, Jesus. And this is Seth. <laughs> it's a big deal, man. It's a big deal. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Well, Seth, uh, I, I would ask you if there's anything you'd like to say, but I feel like kind of your words are or your tears are telling a lot of words right now and uh, overcome by the love and grace of God. Anything you would like to try to say? <laughs> I, for the longest time, I was the most suicidal person. <laughs> I thought my girlfriend was the answer. In Proverbs it speaks, do not give thy power unto women, to which destroyeth kings. I gave all my power to my girlfriend, all my love, and she left me. I should have been, instead of worshiping her, I should have worshiped Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life? Yes. My pleasure to baptize you, and we'll leave the past in the past. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Jesus' name. A new life. Hallelujah. Well, this is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. This is what it sounds like when the church is alive. Amen. Church is alive. Lord. And my hope forever is the name Amen. of Jesus. We are free and he... The church is alive. Church is alive. And I don't know much more of that song. But it sure is a lot of fun. <laughs> well, Jesus is alive, so are we. God bless you, Joy. <laughs>